This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh my God, Jack, you're so Scotland. I'm just like a fall girly right now. I'm like the quintessential fall girly. <laughs> You're just sitting there. It's it's such a stark change from you in Italy, but like your whole aura and being is so much different in Scotland. I feel like I'm a new person. Like you 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 were like bright and glowing and like you have this like cute red beanie on and you're just like in this wooden pod situation. <laughs> is it a yurt? Or is it a pod? It's it's considered a pod. It's like, it's called a pod. Um, okay. I can show you, but it's like, literally, I have my bed behind me here. That mirror is where there's just like a tiny bathroom with just like a toilet and like mm-hmm. a tiny shower. And then right behind here is just like a little place to like hang up your belongings little closet and then just beyond there like two tiny little bunk beds that like you if you were here you definitely wouldn't fit in them like you're way too tall for these tiny bunk beds so if you actually did come to visit like I would totally be in the bunk bed (laughs) you would be in the bed or we could just share the bed but uh no this pod is like incredible and I don't want to like I'm gonna have to show you the view of what I'm looking at right now it's just like ridiculous I just put it on my Instagram story but it's like there's so much natural light. It's just incredible. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy, D. I don't think I've been this happy in my entire life. Yeah. Girl, that's how I felt when I went to Iceland. I was like, there is magic all around me. It it's like it's just an old earthy magic. There's something too, I think, when it's so when you have a really long and hot summer and all of a sudden like those first few days of fall come and the temperature drops and you can feel the chill air. It's just so refreshing. Like you feel like you can just breathe again. And for me, like the summer was in Italy was just absolutely incredible. Like it was just the best time, but it was so hot. So when the time I got here, when I stepped out of the plane, like immediately I could just feel this like my my nervous system just like completely calmed down. I just feel like my brain was like, I'm like picturing like scrambled eggs. Like I think my brain was like on like a frying pan because it was just so fucking hot. And now I'm just like... This is your brain on drugs. This is your brain. <laughs> like, the, you remember those old commercials? <laughs> and a, a billion Aperol spritzes later. And yeah, I don't know why um, the idea to come to Scotland was like really kind of out of nowhere. I 
was planning on staying abroad for like a few months, obviously. And then towards like halfway through my time in Italy, I just kind of realized like I wasn't ready to come home and I just still had some exploring left. I know once I come home, I'm kind of, I'm going to be like much more settled. Like I'm not going to be able to like travel internationally and like do all this crazy stuff for a while. So I just was like, I need to get another month out of my system. I knew I wanted to go somewhere because I'm lazy. I didn't want to have a language barrier. I was really working hard speaking Italian. And so at the end of that, my brain was fried from speaking Italian as well. So I just was like, I want to speak English. And I want to go somewhere that's not completely out of the way. um, Because obviously, I'm meeting you in New York, right when I come home. So I was like, doesn't make sense to go like the other direction in the world. Like, let's kind of work our way back to New York. And so yeah, I just kind of like landed on Scotland. I found this little pod in the middle of fucking nowhere. And here we are. I'm a little fall girly. I have my fall candle going. I have my hot tea. I have my Wait, do they have pumpkin spice candles in Scotland? Because that kind of kills me a little bit if they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> no, they do. They definitely do. Yeah, they do. They have a, a candles are a really big thing here, actually. Like there's candles everywhere. Um, that I love. I just, you know, want something that smells like what's up there, like peat and lavender and smoke. <laughs> so I, I did get a few other candles, like um, very woodsy smelling. I, I'm more of like a woodsy candle gal. Like I definitely like more of my darker woodsy smells instead of like lighter floral smells. Where, where mm-hmm. do you stand on that? Oh, yeah, same. I'm not like a, it's a very rare occasion that like I'll get something kind of fruity. Uh, no, I've always liked the, a little, yeah, like the darker smell. The ones that could go either masculine or feminine, you know? I'm a Libra. I like the balance of both. That is true. I will say my favorite thing that I forget about every fall, but every time beanie season comes back around, I forget how blessed of a time it is for me because I don't have to wash my hair. I can just throw on a hat. So I haven't washed my hair. And like, like you can tell it looks raggedy as fuck right now. But no, I'm very jealous of like your textured wave. But if it's grease, it's like not, I don't know. How I feel it's not it. grease like all the way at the bottom. It's just been like it was in a braid and then it was in a messy bun and now here it is. It's like it's just a fucking mess. But anyway. So yeah, everybody. We're live live from Scotland. I am sad that you can't come visit. That was kind of on the that was a possibility there for a little bit, but too many life things going on. I know. So many life things going on. Ah, Well, that is why this is, again, great timing to have another episode, just you and I. People apparently have been loving our conversations, just you and me, a D and Jack chat. Should we we call them Dak Jacks? (laughs) No, we shouldn't call it anything, actually. (laughs) Just leave it. Our our audience is like collectively cringing yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know we'll keep cringing guys because i think our tiktok's coming back but well yesterday we were talking and we we're like i don't know what should we do should we have like a deeper conversation should we do something light and talk about night shift tips and i'm like eh, night shift tips are like bored and done to shit like we've we've talked about those but i mean you know there's always people that need help with night shift but i just feel like 
personally, I've noticed such a beautiful change in you this summer. And it's been mm-hmm. so cool to watch. It's been so cool to see. Like, and especially now that you're in Scotland, which, hold on, quick pause. Did you have to buy a whole new wardrobe when you got to Scotland? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did. Because you sent me some yeah, videos. Totally did. And you're, I'm like, Jack, where the hell did uh-huh. you pack those, like, uh-uh. snow pants no, no, and no, Timberlands? No, 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 no. <laughs> so I, yeah, I was not, I did not plan on coming here at all. It was not on my radar. I was planning on staying in Italy the whole time. And Italy in the summer is like a hundred degrees. So I only packed like, I, I, I don't even, I didn't even pack. Um, I did pack one pair of jeans, but other than that, all summer clothes and it's like in the fifties here. So it's like, it's like cold. Like it's not like it, like we yeah. always just like skipped a season going from Italy to here. So I had no clothes. So I bought another piece of luggage. So thank God. I f- Oh, that is so weird for you. It is so weird for me. I usually... Ja- am- <laughs> like, for those who don't know, Jack's like such a minimalist. She packs like everything in like a travel size carry-on. I do. So I, you're going to have to like send that one home or you're just going to have to check two bags because... Bags. <laughs> because your snow pants and like snow jackets are not going to fit. <laughs> No, I did. I had I it was a really hard it was a really hard moment for me when I had to buy another piece of luggage and when I had to be walking around traveling from Italy to here with two pieces of luggage. I like really was ashamed of myself. Uh yeah, I do take a lot of pride <laughs> in, in packing very minimally, so it was yeah, it was like I really had to swallow my pride there, but I was really lucky I found a TJ Maxx. There's TJ Maxx here in Scotland, and so I found a TJ Maxx and I just like I was able to find almost everything there for like very reasonable. So I just like literally got like a rain jacket, rain pants, some like warm sweaters, some beanies, and like we're calling it a day. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> no, I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, we, you know, we have been loving these episodes, just you and I either catching up or picking a topic. And we have had a few episodes now. We kind of did like a part one and part two earlier uh this season, kind of filling where I was filling everybody in about my, you know, some of the hard things I've been going through, going through a divorce this past year. And now kind of, it's been, my gosh, it's been even a few months since we recorded those episodes. And there has been such a shift in, in me and in my perspective and in in how I'm feeling. And I'm really grateful. You know, we were talking yesterday and I really, didn't think that this time would come. Like I really didn't believe that <laughs> there would be a day where I would feel just like pure happiness and joy and hope um, just because things were so dark for a while. But I'm just so grateful. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I don't, I think it's a mixture of a lot of things, um, but definitely being here and just kind of taking that time to really process and, and take things at my own pace, I think is kind of what got us here, but I'm just so happy. I'm just happy. Like I'm really happy and I'm in a, in a really good place and yeah, I'm excited to kind of dive in a little bit more with all of those things because you're in a really good place too, D. Like, look at us. I loved what you were saying. And that it's like, 
I'm just going to kind of kind of bring this around to like mental health has always been like a huge thing that we want to talk about on the podcast. It's a lot of things, you know, everyone in healthcare struggles with um, because of the crazy demands that are placed upon us on top of what is happening in our own lives. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there too, as you know, to kind of like humanize nurses and humanize the the mental health struggle that we we all go through. But it's it's just so great. Is that like I've I've been I've been where you are. You know, I've had those those moments of like complete and like utter depression and just like wondering when you're gonna get out of this, wondering when you're gonna see the other side. And it's just so refreshing when you finally take that breath and like you realize where you are, like realize you're ready to start working on that. And it just makes me so happy to be able to like personally watch your journey through this and your milestones and like, especially our conversation yesterday, which obviously our listeners weren't privy to, which is why we are talking through a lot of it again, because we felt like it was really important to, to share for anyone that is in like a really dark place or you know, going through something, going through a divorce, leaving a marriage, um, or just feeling kind of stagnant, you know, and the different things that we've done to support our mental health, whether that's seeing a therapist, being on SSRIs, journaling, like, but like realizing that point where like we just kind of have to get out of our own ways and really start, really start processing. But like, being ready to process. Completely. We have talked about that concept a lot on some of our past episodes around mental health. And I think that that is probably the, the key to all of this is, is approaching whatever you're going through at your own pace and not trying to rush through it. Even some of those months or those, those first few weeks it, when I was in Italy, I was in the most, one of the most beautiful places in the world surrounded by nature and food and wine. And, and I just, I, there were some days I still just couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed. I was so just sad and frustrated and exhausted. And I think the key to that is just, is just having a conscious awareness of, of where you're at in that process and not judging it and not being hard on yourself and just accepting that, you know what, this is where I'm at and it's okay. It's part of the process. And by acknowledging that and kind of being in it and not trying to force your way out of it or mask it or put a bandaid on it, right? Like Karen said, um, mm -hmm. Karen Moon in our episode uh, talked about, you know, when you're going through a hard time, how, how easy it is to want to try to fix it right away with maybe a new relationship or getting a new dog or getting, you know, something to just kind of like fill a void, which, you know, <laughs> I am really, I think at this point, like just really proud. And it's like, sounds so like, cheesy to say that I'm proud of myself, but I am really proud. No, to, be proud of yourself. Yeah, to be in a place where I didn't use any of those band-aids. I think traveling and kind of getting out of the situation, maybe you could argue that that's like a bit of um, like he healthy distraction in a way or, you know, running away in a, in a way. But I can promise you going away or changing locations isn't going to take away the problem. Like the problem's going to come with you wherever you go. And well, and you did it solo too. So it's mm -hmm. like you didn't you didn't have a distraction. You in effect gave yourself 
nothing you like isolated almost, yeah you know to to have like the outside distractions you know mm-hmm. like those those physical things that were within your area that could impact how you felt every day so you you took yourself to a new space to start processing and start healing without any distractions for sure or you know or you know a few beautiful distractions but you know whatever you took that time to be alone exactly and a lot of people ask me like you know how has it been being alone the last like three it'll be four months by the time i come home and I will say I also am, you know, there was a time in my 20s where I was single for a lot of my 20s and I learned to travel alone. I learned to kind of be happy alone and do- doing things alone. If I wanted to go to a new restaurant, or I wanted couldn't find a friend to go, I would go. If I wanted to go, you know, sit at a cafe all day, I, I would just go. If I wanted to... <laughs> travel to Asia and couldn't find a friend to go well I'm still going and I learned a lot of those skills earlier in my 20s and it's been so just like full circle to kind of come back to that now again in my 30s and I think when you are alone and you kind of give yourself that space and especially when you're traveling alone it's like to the maximum (laughs) lack of like communication with a time change because your your friends and family are sleeping half the day that you're awake yeah it was a huge test and like we said, like, I just hope that anyone listening to this, that kind of was part of our part one and part two episodes that maybe is going through it still, that this can just serve as a reminder to go at your own pace and to not be hard on yourself mm-hmm. if you're still in the trenches. And I do truly believe that living through those hard weeks and those hard months and and feeling the pain, feeling the sadness, feeling the anger, feeling the exhaustion and the frustration when you're mindful and when you're able to kind of take those emotions with you and just kind of have an awareness like, okay, that's what that is. I'm going to label that. You're able to kind of get out of that faster. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to like even put to words now how, how different I feel like you, but you can just, you can, you can sense that shift when it happens and I think an important thing to know is that it's, it's you know, healing, of course, like isn't linear. Like I know I'm going to have other bad days. I know I may have other bad weeks, but it's not fighting it. And it's just, you know, just kind of taking things as they are. And, and knowing that that day will come where the beauty starts to become very apparent and you can start seeing the the bigger picture and the bigger perspective and so many things like so many different things have gotten me to this point like you said my family and my friends and time alone journaling and you know all these different things but if I had to pick one thing that I think is like the key to like grieving is that piece of (laughs) of mindfulness because if you are not really present and you are not really and you can't always do this right like especially when you're in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. you can't always be present it's exhausting but yeah and it fucking hurts yeah (laughs) but if you can start to take notice of your feelings and emotions whether they're good or whether they're they're bad or they feel good or they feel bad that's that's the key because if you're not aware that you're in pain or that you're sad 
you're not going to be aware of when the beauty does start to come in. And so just kind of taking these pauses if you can and finding like little routines and practices for yourself where you can just check in with yourself and kind of see where you are. Because then one day you will realize, oh, wow, like I woke up today excited for the day. God, I can't remember the last time I felt like that. It makes those moments that much more powerful. And you remember those moments. But those aren't things that we were talking about this yesterday, too. It's like those aren't things that you can necessarily hear in the moment, though. Like when you're in that amount of pain and grieving, it's like you can't hear, oh, you're going to feel better someday. Like, I promise it just takes time. Like it's it's that truth that we know, but we just can't hear it in that moment, which sucks because it's like you're also begging your friends and like your family to be like, tell me, like, help me feel better. Tell me, tell me when it's not going to hurt anymore. Right. And like the only thing is time. With the, the time piece, I think something that will start to come a little bit easier too, or I don't know if it'll become easier, but I know a big turning point for me was, was when I realized how much my pain was also affecting the other, like others around me, how much it was weighing on my parents and on my siblings and on my twin sister and on my best friends and on, on you. It's so hard to see your loved ones in pain. And I got to a point where I felt ready to start taking a more active role in healing. And I don't know if, you know, if, if you, you know what I mean by that, but it's like, when you're actively healing or you're actively working through a trauma or a, anything that happened in your past, it's like, you have to be ready for that shit. <laughs> hmm And clearly it's an ongoing process. I'm like, you know, almost, honestly, it might be closer to like 12 years mm-hmm. now since, since Nick passed. But, mm-hmm. you know, even at that, like your parents watching their daughter grieve someone for and just being like so much pain like months mm-hmm. on end it's like like I, like I really felt that when you said mm-hmm. that because it was like oh yeah no I mean like I remember like my parents just or like my dad just like looking at me and just like crying you know mm-hmm. like just trying to talk through it all with me and you know seeing I can't imagine what it's like for parents mm-hmm. to watch their children in so much pain yeah you know, um, and that's not to say that, you know, you should rush your healing or anything like that. Um, but it's it's I know for me, that was kind of like a like a bit of a turning point, too, because I didn't I didn't want to see like my family and feeling that mm-hmm. or when I had, you know, dated that fucking psychopath. It was like my friends. I knew my friends were tired of hearing about it, which kind of made me withdraw, you know, a little bit more. But then also like, OK. I really got to figure this yeah. out. You know, like I, I just can't feel like this anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and then taking that step to start therapy to really take notice of how you're feeling in your body, like what types of emotions come up, like naming those emotions. Oh God, whenever anxiety comes up for me, I was talking to my therapist about this last night because, you know, we all, we all struggle got some things going makes me a little anxious but also really happy but it's like i found myself 
And in this particular moment, I chose to ignore it. And I chose just to let myself kind of spiral and be upset, which is fine. Like, I know what I'm doing. But I was telling my therapist, I was like, I hear this voice (laughs) that when I'm in like these moods or feeling this anxious, that is literally like, what do you know to be true? What do you know to be true? And it's in the back of my head. And it's, and she's just like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Like, write down what, what do you know to be true? Like, in these moments. So you're literally trying to help yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, like, once you start letting yourself hear mm-hmm. that part of you that wants to, you know, and maybe this is too existential and like woo woo or whatever, but like, once you just kind of start letting yourself hear that mm-hmm. part of you and trying to, you know, honor that and, ask yourself what you need. And again, that's really nuanced too, because there's, there's some obviously like September suicide mm-hmm. awareness month, suicide prevention mm-hmm. month. And we've had a, ton, we have lost so many doctors and nurses to suicide. Mm-hmm. And I just want to just like full stop there. Like there's, there's a lot that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pain in the medical community. Yeah. And you know, what we're saying might not resonate, might not be the right thing for you. We're obviously only speaking to our, our own experiences and stuff mm-hmm. here. Just in hoping that something that we share mm-hmm. with you might just feel, make you feel a little less alone uh, and encourage you to reach out to somebody and tell somebody that you're not mm-hmm. feeling your best. Bringing up this concept of putting band-aids on things and how you just brought up the physician suicide rate, nurse suicide rate. It makes me think a lot that we have just been through an extremely traumatizing pandemic for healthcare workers. And now that we're kind of coming out of it on the other end, I think people are just so ready to get back to normal that we don't want to go back. We don't, even like as a healthcare worker, like there's parts of me that I'm like, oh God, like I don't even want to, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to think about this thing that I saw or this situation that I was in or how I felt in March of 2020. Like, I don't, I don't, there's a big piece of you that just wants to put a bandaid on it and just put it in the past. But what we're seeing right now with the rates of anxiety, depression, PTSD, and suicide rates in the healthcare community is just, it's just astounding and it's heartbreaking. And I hope that the bodies that are supposed to be looking out for healthcare workers are going to, but it doesn't, it doesn't appear that way. We work in a system where our hospital systems are trying to profit. And right now, I don't think that mental health of their staff is like the number one <laughs> priority. And so it's unfortunate that we have to find outside resources and outside organizations mm-hmm, yeah. for that kind of support. Yeah. The hospitals are trying to recoup losses. Mm-hmm. 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 Maybe not. I mean, I hope I have seen, you know, some other organizations popping up here and there about supporting mental health of healthcare workers. I just hope that that doesn't stop. And I hope that, you know, maybe this is a time like where you can check in and pause and think about how you're doing in regards to the pandemic and in regards to how you're feeling. And, but like you said, Danielle, I think when there's a certain level of grief and trauma, it's impossible to be with your thoughts or it's impossible to be in your body. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, I think, find the 
methods of support that you can to even get to that point where you're ready to face all of those things. But you recently just shared a really open and vulnerable post kind of talking about your journey with therapy. And I'm just curious to kind of like touch a little bit more on that and how you're doing and like where you see your mental health journey going. Well, okay. So like, I know I kind of, like I mentioned the, like the year anniversary uh, of therapy on the podcast. Right. But I don't know what, I mean, like I have such a love hate relationship with social media, but there is like something like blocking me from like actually making the post until I just like I had it in my notes. I would go back to it. I would rewrite it. I would add some things. I would delete things, you know, mm-hmm. as one does. And I don't I don't know if that's because I was I was nervous to share it or, you know, I mean, I think there's always that sense of, well, don't be too vulnerable. Don't be too much. Don't be. But then I'm like, well, don't be afraid of your muchness, you know? I feel like my my therapist keeps telling me like, Danielle, you're not needy, you have needs, you know, and, and honoring kind of like what you need and like, maybe like how you need to say something. So I just, I took my time with it and like the photos just kind of came to me and I just picked up these, these pretty, just like white country roses are just like really textured and and pretty. And I was like, well, I want to take a picture with these. And I was like, no, this is this is what needs this is the missing component, which you know might not make sense to anybody listening, but that's what made sense to me for for the post that I wanted to make because I felt beautiful in the photos. I feel like more myself in the last year than I have. I think in my whole life, you know, I've processed a lot. And a lot of stuff from like childhood too. You know, there's there's so many different interactions that we go through in our childhood and into our adult lives that shape, well, shape us, but like shape how we react to certain things in life too. So therapy has just really been, it's been such a privilege, but I'm so, so grateful for it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not stopping. You know, I mean, I I see my therapist every uh, two weeks. Sometimes I get like a little emergency session. You know, I've been there's like a lot of family stuff that happened this last year, too, or like things that came up that I was like, oh, my God, nope, I really need help. And that was my that was my go to. My therapist is, you know, I'll talk to my friends and then we'll kind of be like, okay, well, no, like I really need like I know I need that extra support. So I am so mm-hmm. grateful for the relationship that I have with my therapist. And that's a really important thing to build like that trust in someone that just sees you completely unbiased. And like, I just know there's so much stuff coming up, you know, in life, you know, that I, I feel more confident in being able to navigate now because of things that I've worked on in therapy, <laughs> the biggest of which I I just feel more like myself and honoring who I am, honoring what I've been through and just knowing that like I am actually worthy 
of of good, of safe. And I can ask for those things. I don't know. That's kind of kind of tangential, but it makes me almost like want to ask you, like, because I know how that feels, and I know you do too. The aspect of like when you don't feel worthy, and when you don't feel like you deserve love, and when you or it's transactional. You know, you have to be like you have to give so much in order to receive or you know try and be the perfect person or girlfriend or my first years in nashville y'all that was that was rough that was real rough you're just looking for love in all the wrong places i do (laughs) such a country song so what do you think like has also helped you get to that point where you do feel deserving of love you know besides like working with a therapist what like, what are some tips or what are some ways in which you think you've gotten to that point? Like, you took your aloneness across the country. I feel like I really mm-hmm. retreated during the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. even after, like, the last relationship that I was in that was uh, completely dangerous and uh, I was completely manipulated. Um narcissist, sociopath, you name it. It was terrible. I knew I needed, like, my reality was completely altered in that relationship. Everything that I thought was true was not true. And I I didn't trust myself. Trust myself in, in my assessment of other people. And like, A, like what they might want from me. Honoring red flags and running the other way from them. <laughs> so I think at that point, I just really was like, I need, I need to take some time. There are things and certain encounters that don't make me, that make me feel less than. And I don't like feeling less than. So I'm just not going to put myself in those situations anymore. My relationship mm-hmm. with sex has changed a lot. Um, and I think that would be a really interesting conversation to get into and to have like a sex therapist on and like finding ways of exploring that, that actually feel safe and fulfilling. There's just been, oh, there's been a lot, (laughs) but I think it mostly stems from like actually sitting with myself and figuring out what I needed to do to make myself feel safe and then slowly start breaking down and processing the different traumas and but that did mean you know working with a therapist for sure like really really sitting with myself and being like well this doesn't make you feel safe what do you need to do to make yourself feel safe you are worthy of love i love that you brought that up because if you don't feel safe you're not going to be able to do any of that work. You're not going to be able to start to look back on anything. You're not going to be able to sit presently in your own body. If you don't feel safe, then you're not going to be able to move forward. Right. So I know for me, like I know a few things that have helped with that as well. Um, Like that feeling of safety, because like what we've talked about before with kind of what I've been through the last two years, like, just kind of feeling like the rug got ripped up from under me, not having the house that I lived in, not having the partner that I had the last six years, not having the dogs that I raised. I didn't feel safe in the least bit. 
And so like, how do you get back to feeling safe? For me, one of the biggest things was finding my routines again. Yes. Routine mm-hmm. is like the first way to start feeling safe. Mm-hmm. What are those like little things you can do every morning or every night? So it's this sense of no matter what happens today, no matter what gets thrown at me, I still have my my tea in the morning and my walk and my little things that make me feel safe because routine creates a sense of safety. So what what are some of those things for you? Like maybe it's routine. Is there anything else you can think of of like creating a sense of safety? Um, I think for me, like whenever I've really worked on not... I've always been the person that reaches out and like helps everybody else like a typical goal nurse and mm-hmm. then never asks for help herself. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the biggest yep. things that I started doing was reaching back out to people when I needed, when I needed help mm-hmm. and was, you know, shocked to find that, Oh, you know, my, my friends do want to help you know, and it's, it's okay to ask for help. Totally. Because you may have a lot of friends that are great at a lot, you know, they're great to go out with. They're great to go Mm -hmm. get dinner with. They're great for different situations. But I don't think every friendship like can really give that sense of safety and give you the the space and the like comfort that you really need. So it's like even looking at that, like, well, what friends make me safe? What relationships make me safe? Make me feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really really lucky in that aspect that I have um I have female friendships that make me feel safe. I also have a lot of male relationships that make me feel safe and just being able to to reach out and and lean on those people. But things like a day-to-day routine, you know, like like you were saying for me like I always make myself a beverage in the morning like some sort of beautiful matcha latte or like a London fog, something that I have to take my time and just make, you know, like I'm frothing up my milk. I'm, I have my little whisk for my matcha and it's just like that routine and knowing and like the first sips that that brings me in the morning is so comforting and grounding. I'm not, I'm not like, I mean, there's not like a ton of caffeine in that stuff. It's not like a caffeine thing. It's just that simple act of doing that one thing for myself that brings me some peace and grounding in the morning. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I can't think of many other things that are as like to me, that's just like step one of when you're starting to feel like the ground is rumbling under you or you're 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 not sure what's going on, or it's like having those little things throughout the day to kind of bring you back to that sense of like, just those moments where you can come back and just realize like, I don't need to be up in my head doing all of these things. Like I have my little routine. It puts you back in the present. It puts you back in the moment and kind of, I think like helps you from like spinning out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It happened. I mean, like it happened recently too. Like I, I woke up in the morning, I was feeling kind of anxious and I started like ruminating and you know what you do. You're like, you're like scrolling or you're just like thinking or you're like, just like 
ruminating on your thoughts and you're looking at the clock and you're like, oh shit, like I'm gonna have to get to work like soon, but like I'm not done thinking about that. Like maybe I should do this. And I like stopped myself and I was like, D, you're gonna get up. You're gonna curl your fucking hair. You're gonna put on a cute ass outfit. You're not gonna wear scrubs today because girl, that's too easy. And you're gonna get yourself dressed and ready and you're gonna get your butt to work on time. And like just that simple fact that I was able to pull myself out of that like ruminating spiral. Totally. Therapy's working, y'all. If if we were to ask ourselves or just ask the average person, how many times during the day are you actually aware of what you're doing? Are you actually here in this moment? There's so, (laughs) we're not, you know, it's so rare that we're actually in the present moment. And when we're not, we're either living in the past, you know, we're, 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 we're cycling, we're thinking, oh, I should, why did I do this? I shouldn't have said that. Well, what if I said this? What if this would have happened? What if he did this? What if, why didn't I do that? And what if they're thinking that? (laughs) And usually those aren't good thoughts. Usually those are some form of critical and judging thoughts. (laughs) Or we're looking ahead. We're looking into the future. And usually that's not that great either. Usually that's catastrophizing something, worrying about how something's going to go. But no, I think that this is, you know, I, I just like, I just think so much about our community right now and, and everything. Like you said, like we've been through so much as healthcare workers over the past few years. And just besides that, the personal things that we go through. Exactly. We forget about everything yeah. else. Exactly. I love yes. how you said that. Yes. Yeah. We're not supposed mm-hmm. to carry this much alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we really aren't. <laughs> We're not supposed to see that level of trauma and be okay and not bring it back into like our home lives. Yeah. We aren't actually superheroes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're uh, human. Well, I hope that this was helpful. I love how our community, I put something out on social media, like asking everybody, like, what do you want to hear from us? What's new? What topics do you want us to cover? Of course, a lot of people ask about mental health, and that's why we wanted to touch on this here. So I hope, yeah, I agree. I hope that this was really helpful mm-hmm. to people. This is kind of like a check-in maybe for you to think about where you're at, where you are in your mental health journey, if you needed to start making some necessary changes. But can you, do you want to get? I think Scotland wants its Wi-Fi back. Y'all, I think we're losing Jack. So... On that note, we're going to cut this episode short, and I am very sorry to do so, but I hope this resonated with you. Jack and I really, really love you. We care about you, and we want to know what you want to hear more of from us. So, I mean, like, y'all know the drill. If you like this episode, share it, please. We really appreciate it. We obviously just want as many people to feel connected to, like, our stories as is possible you don't want anyone to feel alone so on that note moment out hello <laughs> i literally just took us out <laughs> <laughs>